Hello, Champion Charge listeners. This is Peyton, your friendly neighborhood tech guy speaking and welcoming you to the first episode of our Champion Church Fort Worth podcast. We are so excited to bring you this new feature in 2016. It's been a long time coming. So let's introduce the format. Each week, I will introduce the message and add any announcements that might have been missed. Then I will pitch to a live recording of that week's sermon. And sadly, as your tech guy, I have to inform you that for this first week, the audio isn't as good as it will be from now on. We had a small issue with our recording device, which has since been remedied. But luckily, I was able to get the whole thing recorded on my phone. Stick with it, guys. This sermon is a doozy. This week is the first part of Change, a fitting series for the new year when we're all trying to make some changes to our lives. I know I made several resolutions this year. So here we go with Pastor Nicole and the three things that must happen in order for change to happen. Let me set the stage for you. Theater of the mind style. Imagine, if you will, that Pastor Samuel has gone to Portland to see his nephew get married and a Hello Kitty bicycle stands at the center of the stage, but it's missing a key component. Take it away, Pastor Nicole. Our nephew is getting married in Portland. He was the only nephew until little Barrett Morgan came along for Pastor Samuel. So Patrick is very special. He's the one that when I first started coming around to the McKern family when I was 18 years old, little Patrick was there in his overalls all the time because that was when it was cool to put your kids in like little corduroy overalls. And he would be, Pastor Samuel would be playing the drums at the time and and. Um, Christ Life Church, and Patrick would be right there sitting on his lap while he's playing drums. Um, I think Patrick even wet his diaper and it soaked through on Pastor Samuel one time when he was playing the drums. So I'm sure that story will be told at the wedding today, (laughs) happening in a few hours. Olivia Grace just sent me a picture from Portland, and it's snowing, and her face was on the little sad emoji, and she said, great. (laughs) They didn't bring snow clothes, but... That's right. Olivia Grace turned 13 on December 31st. I have a teenager. She's been a teenager for a a long time in attitude. She's just now a teenager in age. But one of our family members wanted to bless her and provide her with a trip to Oregon to experience that for this wedding. It, It was just astronomical, the amount of money we would have had to pay to send our family of five there. So we said... That's great, Olivia Grace. We'll go and represent the Cool McKerns and be there for Patrick. Well, New Year's Eve, we're all gathered at our house for our annual party to celebrate Olivia Grace in the new year, and she wasn't there. And we, Pastor Samuel gets a phone call, and he comes to me, and he was like, show, well, he got a text. He shows me his text. I know when he just shows me it and doesn't say, hey, so-and-so texts me. It's like he wants me to look at it. And... A man who's been in our church and in our lives for a very long time heard that he was not going to be attending his nephew's wedding, and he said, is there anything I can do to help you get there? Because I think that if at all possible, if you can make it, it's something you will greatly remember, and Patrick will remember. So, how can I help you? And jokingly, Pastor Samuel said, you know, well... Do you have, do you have an air, you know, plane or something I can use to get down to Portland? And this man said, no, but I can fly you there and take care of your trip while you're there if you can arrange everything 
and get away. So immediately he looks at me and he's like, so you're good to preach, then you're good. <laughs> it, it actually was difficult on him, but he was able to do it, and we all took up what he would be doing. I printed bulletins, guys. You should be proud of me. I used a printer. <laughs> and it was just amazing, and I didn't make it backwards. Or it, I was like, wow. But I just want to tell you how good God is, because we didn't put on you know, any sort of social media, and we didn't tell anybody we're not going because we can't afford to send the whole family, but... God knows. And God sent this man to bless our family, to bless Samuel and send him, and to ultimately bless Patrick and his wife and the whole Henry family for him to show up. We surprised them. We just told the mom and dad, um, Deborah and Zach, and this is how good God is. Because not only is that amazing that God would do that, this man calls Samuel the day before, the next day, because he has to leave out. He said, You can leave out on Saturday. Pastor Samuel wanted to leave tomorrow evening so he could help set up and do all this stuff. And the only way you can do that is I can only afford to send you there. You'll have to get your flight back because it was just crazy expensive, all these things. He said, but if you leave tomorrow morning early, I'll pay for it all. So, of course, pays for it all. And he said, and by the way, I'm flying you first class because those are my airline tickets. He's a businessman. He's like, so you're going to have to ride, drive, or fly first class there and back. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. I, I promise you, I've never seen Pastor Samuel smile. So, like, he was like, like, he's never flown for it. He's never even thought, hey, it would be cool to fly first class because he's never thought in his head, I'm going to fly first class one day, you know? He's used to being in the band, and they just chunk their stuff and get on the plane and get there. But God is so good. He always goes above and beyond what we could ever hope for. Amen? Amen. So long story to just tell you, Pastor Samuel wishes he could be there or here, but I think he's where he needs to be for his family. Amen? Amen. New year, new you. I'm not even going to ask you. Maybe I am. I don't know if you guys will be honest. Raise your hand if you made New Year's resolutions. Thank you for those honest people in the back. (laughs) New Year's resolutions. And those are things we resolve to do this or to do that, right? I make New Year's resolutions every morning, every day of every year, just so you know. Because what I didn't do the day before, I've decided, well, I'm going to do this day. But listen to some of these statistics, okay. The percent of Americans who usually make New Year's resolutions is 45%. I think that's skewed. I think more people do it than that. Percent of Americans who infrequently make New Year's Year's resolutions, 17%. Percent of Americans who absolutely never make New Year's resolutions, 38%. But here's where it gets interesting. Percent of people who are successful in achieving their resolutions. What do you think that percent is? Oh, you pessimists in this room. Come on. 8%. Of people who make New Year's resolutions actually succeed in their resolutions. 8%. Is that crazy? I think we need to start looking at that and do things a little bit different. This is what I found interesting because I'll tell you guys in a little bit, but this year is a very monumental year for me because I'm old. It says percent of people in their 20s who achieve their resolution each year is 39%. So if you're in your 20s or lower, you still have a chance. 39%. People over 50, and I don't know where that leaves those of us in our 30s and 40s, I guess. But people over 50 who achieve their resolution, 14%. I just, 
I don't know what that says. I think that says they're wiser, and they've just decided they're not going to make New Year's resolutions. <laughs> this is the link. Resolutions maintained through the first week, 75%. We can all do anything for seven days, right? <laughs> or not do. Past two weeks, 71%. Past one month, 64%. And past six months, 46%, which still isn't that bad. But then it goes downhill from there, and people just stop trying. This week, we're starting our new series, Change, and it has nothing to do with New Year's resolutions, just so you know. We're going to pray. Lord, I thank you for this time in your presence. I thank you for this time with your people. I pray, Lord, that you open our hearts to hear what it is you want to speak to each and every one of us. Lord, you have this message that you've given us, and it is for all of us, but Lord, it is specifically for each and every one of us as well. As a church and as individual church members, Lord God, let us hear what you want us to hear, and then let us go and be doers of what it is you're presenting to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I apologize in advance for coughing. I'll probably do it the whole time. I've had this for a long time, but I feel great, so that's all that matters, right? Awesome. So... This year may be the year that you guys, did you know it's a leap year? This year may be the year that everyone's like, this year I'm doing what I've set out to do. This year I'm going to get that promotion at my work. This year I'm going to get out of debt. This year I'm going to lose this amount of work. This year I'm going to, some of us single people in here, get married. Or this year I'm going to, whatever it is. And there's a a saying or a song that good intentions... You know, the road to whatever is paved with good intentions, right? Good intentions won't get us anywhere. They might kind of push us in that direction to some extent, but then life happens, circumstances happen. And so we as followers of Christ need to understand something, that number one, change is possible. Change is possible. This little caterpillar turned into this little butterfly, Change is possible. We see it all the time. We live in a world where we see change as something very difficult to attain, and it is in and of itself and on our own. But we're going to read a verse, and we're going to read this verse together after I read it to you guys one time, because this is kind of like a coffee mug verse or a bumper sticker verse. So it's really easy and short, and you can memorize it, but it's so powerful. Philippians 4.13. Some of you may already know what this says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. (coughs) Now before we repeat this verse together, who wrote this verse? Paul wrote this verse. Paul who made a change. Paul who before he was Paul was a persecutor of the Christians who oversaw many murders of Christians Paul, who was so fervently against the preaching and the teaching of Christ, is now come to a relationship with the Lord, finds himself in prison because religious people dislike those who follow Christ. And he's in a prison and he's writing these words that we're all going to repeat together right now. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those of you who said it, you can do it. Those of you who didn't, it's still—it's not too late. <laughs> so we're going to keep this scripture in our heart and in our head, and we're going to talk about this scripture and talk about how that lends itself to our series of change. 
You see this bike? It's been checked in at the kids' ministry. It has its little kids' tag. This bike was a gift from Santa to Paisley, sweet little Paisley who Smith, who's Mary's daughter. Is it not so cute? But for some reason, every time Paisley gets on this bike, she cannot seem to make it work the way she wants it to work. Why is she having a problem with this bike, do you think? Can you guys see this tire? It's, it, if someone like me were to sit on this bike, you would see the flat tire is actually there. And I don't know if you've ever been in a car and gotten a flat tire or been on a bike and gotten a flat tire. It makes moving pretty difficult, does it not? Now, if Sweet Mary saw this bike and her daughter Paisley upset because she could not use it the way it was designed to be used, this bike has the potential to bring Paisley lots of joy. In fact, yesterday during setup, I saw Sweet Paisley riding this bike all throughout this property with a smile on her face, totally excited. But with a flat tire, it does not have the potential anymore to bring Paisley the joy that it is designed to bring a child. Now, if Mary, the loving mother that she is, sees her baby upset, loads this bike up into her car and takes it to the bike shop and says to them, Bike people, spokes, that's the only bike shop I know, spokes, something is wrong with my daughter's bike and I need you to fix it. <clears throat> she wanted Hello Kitty, so maybe that's not the issue, but maybe these streamers right here are not the right color. And maybe they don't shine bright enough so that the sun doesn't reflect off of it enough to where it doesn't give it the propulsion that it needs to go. And the bike man would be looking at Mary like, okay. But then maybe that's not it. Maybe it's this Hello Kitty face is a little bit too heavy as a basket. I don't want to open it. Maybe there's something in there private. But maybe this needs to be taken off. Or... No, you know what it probably is? It's probably because it doesn't have a cup holder. And when you're riding a bike and you're really working up a sweat, you get thirsty and you need your water bottle. So that's probably why the bike is not doing what it is created to do, don't you think? And that man would probably start to call a number and say, um, excuse me, I have a lady here that needs medical attention. <laughs> because any of us, whether we know anything about bikes or not, can look at this bike when somebody gets on it and see exactly why it's not doing what it is created to do, it has a flat tire. So this is the deal. What is your flat tire? And if right now you just thought, I don't have a flat tire, I knew that's what she was going to say. You have a flat tire. That is true. <laughs> see, the problem isn't any of these external things that I said or showed you. The problem is what it is. It's a flat tire. And the fact of the matter is, until we start calling our flat tire a flat tire in our life, it will continually be a flat tire. We as Christians, as believers, as Americans specifically, what we will do is we will fix the externals of things and hope that gets us by. But until we fix the internal thing, we will be forever lacking in what God has put in us and not function with the full potential that we have in Jesus. And more than this bike has the ability to bring Paisley joy, God has put something into each and every one of you that can bring so much 
to the world that you live in, to the family that you are a part of, to the job that you work at. You are so full of potential, God-given, specifically designed for you, potential. But if we continually and consistently walk around with a flat tire, we will never function at the level that we were created to function at. And that's what change this series is all about. And we're going to talk about a few things. You know, as, as people, it's easy for us to say, you know, what I need to do is really, <clears throat> it's just people aren't treating me right at my work, and I just need to relocate. That's what I'm going to do. If I relocate, then I think things will start going a little bit better. Or, you know, it's probably because my husband's just not as cute as he used to be, and he, he's not really doing what he said he was going to do, so we're not living the lifestyle I thought we were going to live, so I just probably need a new husband. Or, you know, I probably just need a new a new car. I've been wanting a four-door Jeep for so long, and I'm about to turn an age where people do crazy things, so I think I just need to go and get that four-door Jeep that I've been dreaming about, right? That will fix it all. Or you know what it probably is, actually? I just, I'm not fed here. I probably just need to find a new church. And so we say all these things, and we think all these things, and the problem is, even if we do these things, the flat tire is in you, and wherever you go, you take you with you. So essentially, you take your flat tire to whatever the thing is you just tried to go to to fix what really is inside of you to begin with. And I don't mean any of this to bring condemnation because that's not what Christ does, but it does bring conviction. Yes. Because all of us have something that God is saying, this right here. This right here. This right here. And if we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and if we are humble to come before God and say, Lord, I'm done trying to get better streamers or get a cup holder. I'm ready, God, for you to fix that flat tire. We will see amazing change in 2016. Some of you might be thinking, that's great, but I don't have just one flat tire. I have two flat tires, and in fact, I don't even have streamers or a basket or a cup holder on my bike. <laughs> but I would just say to you, you just read a verse that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All it takes is one step in the right direction. And this morning, we're going to take one step in the right direction. We're going to look at a very familiar scripture, a very familiar story in the Word of God, and I, this one, I think, you know, you could say, well, I've heard this before, I'm tuning out, don't tune out. God wants you to hear this story in this way because he has a plan for your life today. Amen? We're going to look at Luke 15 to see exactly how we can have this change, how we can get this flat tire changed and become all who God has called us to be. The first thing that we need to do in dealing with a flat tire, and you guys know I'm not really talking about a flat tire, right? Talk about something deep down inside of you. Sometimes it's not deep down inside. Sometimes it's our mouth. Um, all of us are above age limit here, right? You all love Jesus, so you won't think of me any differently. And some of you have heard this before. I, I grew up in a home where saying four-letter words was second nature. We said it if we dropped something. We said it if we opened the fridge and there wasn't something in it that we you know, wanted. It was just swearing was just like saying hello. And it was common in my home, and we were brought up that way. And we, we, my, I had respectful parents, though. We knew not to say bad words in front of other people because it might be offensive. But so um, it was just natural to me. So I, I was a cusser. 
I, I said bad words all the time. But the, in my head and in my heart, well, maybe not my heart, in my head, they weren't bad. I mean, we all say them, right? I've heard some people say them that they, they say they don't. Anyway. So I come to this relationship with Jesus and I get saved and all of a sudden I said, I don't want to say another bad word one more day of my life. And God amazingly did that for me, but I had to recognize that what I was doing was not something I wanted in my life anymore. And so that comes, that's, I say that to bring to our first point, we must see it as necessary we must see the fact that we need to get this flat tire fixed as necessary if we are going to have it fixed. Because we have to be willing to admit that that tire is flat. At the beginning of my story, when Mary went in, she talked about many different things that could possibly be keeping this bike from living up to its potential. But until we admit that what is flat or broken inside of us is what actually needs to be fixed. And, and until we see it as necessary, we will never, never change. We're going to start reading in Luke 15, 1 through 24 is what we'll go through all the way. But this is the story of the prodigal son or the lost son. You've read it. You've heard it. It's amazing. It's great. And we're going to read it today. We're going to see what God is trying to speak to us through this. It says in verse 11 here, we're going to start Jesus continued, there was a man, that means he's telling stories, and he's continuing to tell stories, who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And all of those listening to Jesus at that time gasped in horror because of what this young boy said. Because when do sons get their inheritance? They get their inheritance when the father has died. So essentially, this young man is not only being greedy, he is being heartless and saying, I wish you would go ahead and die already so I could get what I'm owed. So he's saying all of this. Now, we need to remember something through this story is that this son had a relationship with his father. Does he not? That's the only way he gets this inheritance because he is in a relationship with his father. He is the son to this father, and he has a relationship with him. We are sons and daughters of God, and we have a relationship with our Father God through who? Jesus Christ, His Son. I'm making that point, and you need to just hold on to that because it's going to come in handy. See, some people think if you really love God, you would have never done what you did. If you really loved Jesus and had committed your life to Him, you would have never gone off and done that or said that or become that. And I want to tell you that not everybody who says that or believes that is mean. They're just always wrong. They really are. And if you are in a place in your life where you are feeling that or have felt that, I want you to know that is not of God. Because here we're going to continue to read this story of this young man who gets what he wants and goes off from the Father and makes horrible decisions, yet he is still in relationship with the Father. He's still the son of that man. Here we go on to 13. It says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, leaving the father, yet still in relationship with the father, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. We won't even go into what wild living could possibly be back in that time. Was the man still his father's son? When we do things wrong, are we still the father's child? 
Yes. Never let what you do condemn you to where you feel like your position in Christ has changed. Our condition changes often, but our position never changes. All we have to do is come back to the Father, and He is there always waiting for us. See, once you become a child of God, you are always a child of God. You're either an obedient child of God or a disobedient child of God, but you're still a child of God. Luke 15, 14, we're moving on. It says, but when he had spent all, when he had spent all, listen, there's another little golden nugget. Sin will always cost you more than you thought it originally would. It says when he had spent all, do you think he went into this thinking, I'm going to spend every last dime I have and waste my life away? No. Sin will always cost us more than we ever thought it would. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. A severe famine arose. See, this is another point. Listen, we can't control what happens to us or around us. We can't. This young man had no idea that this famine was going to hit the land. There's no way for him to have known. Luke 15, 16, here he says, So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. So he sent him, he sent him to the, feed, the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So much in this little portion of scripture. This man was a son of a wealthy, esteemed man. And he lowered himself, first off, to go and ask for work. Then he lowered himself even lower, actually to the lowest you could ever be, For a man who, of his stature, he was a Jewish man of a rich, wealthy, esteemed father. And he's in the pig pen, feeding the pigs, eating what the pigs don't eat. Have you heard that saying that you just have to hit rock bottom? Some people have to hit rock bottom before they will realize that they have a flat tire. I love God because he sticks with us no matter what. No matter what. So here we have this poor Jewish man. I'm saying poor because we all make bad decisions. This man, and he is rock bottom. The sun has a flat tire. This is where the story gets good. 1517, it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. That's the key. But when he came to his senses, when he admitted that he had a flat tire, and he realized, I have to do whatever it is that's necessary for me to get this flat tire fixed. This young man realized something. He had to change. And until we realize there's something in our life that isn't functioning properly that we need to change, we will forever live with it. Because we're really good at adapting. Really good at adapting. We'll cover things up. We'll go around doing things a little bit differently so nobody sees, nobody hears, nobody knows. But until we realize we need to change, we will always have that flat tire. And this is the awesome part, is he saw change necessary, and there is power in that. James 4, 6, if we can put that up real fast, I want to read that scripture, because I think that scripture is so beautiful. It says, but he gives us more grace. That is what scripture says. God opposes the proud but shows 
favor to the humble. That is a verse you need to write on your heart and memorize and just believe. Do you know what grace is? Grace is the power to be humble. That's what he gives you. He gives you grace. He gives you the power to be humble because the only way to change is to humble yourself before the Lord. That's the only way. And I love that the Lord knows what exactly we need and he's so willing to give it to us if we will just humble ourselves. He recognized this, that young man did. He realized that, you know what, this is the way things are, but this is not the way things have to be. Sometimes we live so long in a way that we forget, I don't have to live this way. I don't have to be this way. I don't have to feel this way. If any of you are familiar with this, you know, Statistics show, and, and when you go through, um, if any of you do counseling courses to, to teach and to, to counsel others, they will tell you that until who you're talking to realizes that they're in a horrible situation, they will never be able to get out of that horrible situation. They have to realize, admit, and see that change is necessary before they can ever leave that abuse or that addiction. It's proven. For change in our life to take place, an issue must be identified. We want to call, oh, it's this, oh, it's that, oh. We have to start calling it what it is in our lives. We have to start being humble before the Lord. Change was not easy for this man. You're thinking change won't be easy either. You may have lived with whatever God is pinpointing in your heart right now for years. It may have been something you feel was passed down to you through your father or your mother. It may be something that you feel like you could never get rid of or change. But for change in our life to take place, we have to recognize it. It's never easy. Listen, this boy in the scripture, it says he was a long way off. It's not like he went down the road to his friend's house. He went to a distant land, a long way off. He was broke. He was hungry. He was dirty. But he came to his senses. This morning, God wants us to come to our senses. We may not have abandoned our family. We may not have taken everything that we had and done what this man does. But there is something in each one of our lives that God is saying, if you will just come to your senses, I will heal it. I will change it. I will fix it. And you will begin to be able to live at your full potential this year. Change is necessary. But just because it's necessary doesn't mean it's easy. And that's why we need Christ in us to strengthen us. Change is almost, it, change, the kind of change I'm talking about is impossible for anyone without Christ. We will have good intentions, we can do something for a little bit, but we will never fully change if we aren't living in Jesus' strength. we got to have this power in us. He is in us to strengthen us. The second thing we have to do is take responsibility. That's a word none of us like, at least I don't, and I've had way too much of it this week while Pastor Samuel's been gone. We must take responsibility. It doesn't matter how the tire got flat. It doesn't matter that Mark Stewart went and flattened it for me before. (laughs) (laughs) The service started. The bottom line is, if Paisley wants to ride this bike, she is going to have to take responsibility for the fact that the bike is flat and get it fixed. This kind of gets touchy, and I, I hope you hear my heart, because I understand that we all have a background, and we all have a past, and we've all had things done to us or said to us, and we may have done things or said things to other people. But we have to take responsibility for whatever our flat tire is. 
we can't play the blame game. You'll, you'll notice the son didn't wake up and find himself feeding pigs and eating pig food and say, you know what, this is all my dad's fault. If he was as wise as he said he is, he would have never given me my inheritance like I asked him to. Or he could have blamed his mom. I thought mom had dad's ear. Why didn't she talk him out of doing this? Or maybe the brother. You know that older brother of mine? He's always had it out for me. He probably encouraged dad to do this. And that's why I'm in the position that I'm in today. We have to take responsibility. It doesn't matter what our flat tire is or how our flat tire got to be flat. It's your flat tire. You have to take responsibility for getting it fixed. You're the only one who can do that. The flat tire, it's, you know, some of us have our flat tires because sad, bad things have happened to us. And I've counseled people and sat with people and cried with people and I've shared with others my own sad stories. And we all have sad stories. I'm not trivializing, you know, making that light at all. But listen, we can either sit in the past and what happened to us, but we can move forward from there and vow that that will never one more day keep us living with a flat tire. There is freedom in moving past what was done to you. There is freedom in moving past what was said about you. We cannot play the blame game. See, every person has an issue, has a flat tire, and some of us may say, well, I was born that way. You know, I used to work I was a visual merchandiser for Express, um, a clothing store, and there was one lady who would come in every year, the same time every year, and nobody wanted to wait on her because she was from up north, northeast, real loud, real pushy. She would come in and say, that, 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 and that, bring it to me. And, you know, at first we're all like, uh, excuse me, go get it yourself, you know. But... Her whole thing was, I waited on her one day, and I was just trying to talk to her and make light of it because I wanted to maybe trip her or doing something that was not godly at the time. And so I was just like, wow, you don't sound like you're from here. And she was like, oh, I'm from New York, and I come here every year on business trips. And I was like, oh, now I get it. New York is a scary place with scary people that talk like you do. But, I'm just joking, but her whole thing was, It was okay for her to be like that because where she's from, that's how they are. And some of us might be thinking, you know, my flat tire is flat and I'm this way because that's the way I always have been. My dad was like that. My mom's like that. My kids will probably be like that. That's just the way we are, but we're lovable in other areas, right? And the thing is, is that when we say that to God, when we give God that excuse, he says, oh, great, yes, sin nature, you have been born into this world, but I want to tell you something. When you came into a relationship with me and you accepted me as your Lord and Savior, you were not reborn that way. And when we live in the way that we have been reborn, we will begin to see that our tire is flat and it needs to be fixed. And actually, we will stop believing that that is okay. Because what we do when we play that blame game is we validate the reason we have a flat tire. And God says, move past that. Move past that if you want to heal. You have to admit your flat tire. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you have to realize, listen, just because you go home today, and I'm believing in my heart that every single one of us will go home today saying, God, pinpoint that flat tire in me, and I want it changed. And I'm taking 
I'm making sure you know I know. I'm admitting it. I know it's necessary. I'm taking responsibility for it. And I want to tell you something. Tomorrow morning you will wake up and it will not necessarily be changed. It will not necessarily not be flat anymore. Flat tires sometimes take time. It's a process. You know, some of you, it might be your marriage. And you know what? You spent 15 years flattening your marriage. It might take 15 years to air that marriage back up. But it's worth it. Some of you, it might be an addiction that you've had your whole entire life or as long as you can remember. And if it took you that long to become addicted to that substance, it might take you just a little bit of time to get unaddicted to it. But just because you aren't immediately freed of that doesn't mean God has not delivered you from it. It's a process and we have to understand that. See, the hardest step to take when we want to change something is that first step. And the enemy will do everything he can to keep you from taking that first step because he knows what we know. That one direction in the step of the Father and he will come running towards you. One step in his direction. The first step is to say, i got to make a change. We're going to continue reading on. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. And for those of you, I don't know, I preached a sermon on this parable alone. And for a man, a Jewish man, to run was unheard of. It was despicable. He saw his son coming while he was yet a long way off. He ran to his son. Threw his arms around him and kissed him. For him to have any contact with the son who had gone and done what he did, would have dismissed him and disqualified him from holding court, from being the kind of man and having the kind of stature he had in the community. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. Kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And if you hear nothing, hear this part. This son came home dirty, stinky. He'd been with the pigs. He came home with a robe that was soiled if he had a robe anymore at all. He came home with no shoes. He came home broken. He came home with scars. And he ran towards his father. He, and his father ran towards him. One step in the father's direction. And he will do whatever it takes to come and find you. To wrap his arms around you. To exchange your dirtiness for his cleanliness. To exchange your hurt and your pain for his peace and his joy. Do you understand that you don't have to continue living the way you've been living? The father ran towards the son, not with judgment, but rather with love, with a change of clothes, with food. Only the father has the ability to do this. Only the father has the ability to change that young man's dirtiness for clean robes, a brand new ring, and nice shoes. Only the father had the ability to tell his servants to go and kill 
that calf and to prepare a party because his son had come home. See, some of us today need to see that all God's wanting us to do is see it necessary, admit it, take responsibility for it, and then be obedient is our third point. We have to be obedient. Listen, we all claimed at the beginning of this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have to live obediently. And that starts by calling our flat tire what it is. Because we can call it, that's just the way I am. That's all I've ever known. That's what was done to me. That's what I thought. That's the mistake I made. But until we start calling it what it is, God can't start to change it in us. Because that verse in James said, if we want that power, that grace, we have to humble ourselves before him. And he is such a good God. I don't know what your flat tire is. It may be in the relationship that you have. And you know in your heart, there's a check in your spirit. I don't know if this relationship is what I'm supposed to be involved in right now. But God's saying, will you let me pinpoint that tire in your life that needs to be fixed? Because when it is fixed, and only when it is fixed, are we able to function at the full potential that we have been created to function in. I don't know what it is. I know what mine is. I know what God is pointing out in my life. And I know that I will do my best to do what I've just asked you guys to take into consideration and to do. But if we really want to change this year, in 2016, if we really want this year to be the year that we say at the end of it, wow, look how far God has brought me. It begins with this. And each one of us is capable because it's not us doing it. It's Christ's strength in us. Let's stand this morning. I love the Lord because He first loved us. I love Him because no matter what I say or do, He's always willing to come to me and to tell me that He loves me, that He has a better way for me. He's always there to forgive me. You know, there is great comfort in humbling ourselves before the Lord. There's great comfort in knowing that we have a Father who will break every religion, every tradition, every stereotype to come running after us the moment He sees us turn in His direction. And so this morning as we close, I'm going to ask that you just close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm not asking you to come and tell us all what your flat tire is. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a flat tire, I'm, I'm believing that God will show you that you actually do. And that it's time that you humble yourselves before Him so that He can do what He wants to do in your life and that's to be good to you. To see you succeed, to see you prosper, to see you do great and mighty things this year for Him, for those that He brings into your life and for yourself. If you have a flat tire this morning that you know that God has been speaking to you through this or maybe even before you even got here this morning, He's prepared it. Been tugging on your heart and saying, I want this. Focus on this this year. Focus on this right now. I ask that you would just raise your hand and allow God to see that. We're going to pray. We're going to believe that God sees our flat tire. Some of us think, well, I could never bring that to God. What would He think of me? I want to tell you He already knows. And He loves you anyway. 
so this morning, if we could raise our hands and say, God, you see my flat tire, you know what it is. And I know that only you, Lord Jesus, can heal me. Only you, Lord Jesus, can come and change my flat tire. It's only in your strength, Lord Jesus, that I can do all things through you. Lord, we come humbly this morning to you and we say, first of all, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the ends of the earth for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that while we were yet still sinners, you died for us. I thank you, Lord, that we can stand up today whole in your presence. We can stand up today righteous in your presence, Lord. We can stand today with new robes and new rings and new sandals on our feet, not because we deserve it or because we we are worthy, but because of who you are and because we belong to you this morning, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that this silly bike on a Sunday morning is going to forever be in our hearts and our minds, and we are going to say, today is the day I decided to change my flat tire. Today is the day I decided to give my flat tire to Jesus, and I know that he will change it, that he will sustain me through it all, Lord. Lord, I pray for perseverance in each and every one of us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that when we are fearful, Lord God, that we will just be faithful and obedient to take that next step. That we will be ever so aware of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, that when you whisper to us, Lord God, that we would hear you above the voice of everything else in our life, and we will say yes to you. Lord, thank you for a house full of champions this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you go before us, that you prepare the way, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you will never lead us through a change that you will not sustain us through. And this day, this first Sunday in 2016, we say, Lord, lead us, guide us. We invite you into our lives, Lord God, in such a deep way that we cannot help but be changed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Last thing is before, if there is anyone here who does not know Christ, We want to pray with you. We want to believe with you because you cannot begin to even understand how to do all of this if you have not received him in your life. So, Lord, we just come to you right now. Lord, we confess that we're sinners. We confess that we are people in need of a Savior, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, once we we come into your relationship with you, Lord God, we are new. I thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross that you took our sins away. Lord God, I thank you that you healed me from the inside out. Lord, I thank you that when you rose from that grave three days later, Lord God, that you defeated sin and death and that we are not bound by it anymore. Lord, I pray for any heart here this morning that has not yet received you, Lord God. I pray that they would utter these words. Lord, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Lord, come be glorified. Change my life. Lord, it's only through you that we can be who you've called us to be. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's champions said, Amen. 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 I love you. Thank you for allowing me to come speak to you this morning. Your pastor, Samuel, will be home tomorrow night. Pray for his safety and his return. And we will be back together next Sunday. Have a blessed day. Thank you.